if a mosque wants to buy some property in your town and mm-hmm. they want to build a building for the worship of Allah. They, but they, need to, they, they, they want to buy some property, but they need to change the zoning. And so they appeal to the zoning board to build this house of worship. Now, if you're on the board, does their religion make any difference to you as to whether you're going to grant the allowance? I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. All right, welcome to the Hopper Podcast. Hey, I am calling in once again. I am home sick with COVID. Last time. Uh, your wife was sick with COVID and I didn't come over and we called in and yeah. now I am sick and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's the third time I've had this man. Oh my goodness. How are you yeah, doing? So I got, I'm doing okay. It's just, uh, you know, it's definitely a cold, um, lots yeah. of coughing and sniffling and yeah, yeah. the fatigue is a part that I, you know, I'm not enjoying. Okay. <laughs> okay. And, um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway. I'm calling in. Okay, so are you ready to go with your topic about uh, bow-legged penguins? Um, let's postpone that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. You have no bow-legged penguins today. Okay. Well, I've got. A, thankfully, I've got a topic, a backup topic that we can we can go with. That I'm I'm uh, I'm glad you're you're uh, um, getting some rest, and we'll we'll go with the penguin thing later. Let's talk about Christian nationalism. Yes. Yeah. Christian nationalism has come up recently. Um, we are reminded of it. Here it is just a couple weeks after the anniversary of January 6th the, when uh, rioters went into the Capitol building. And uh, everyone yeah. was made aware of Christian nationalism. It was uh, on that day that... Um, there was a uh, that when when everybody stormed the Capitol, that Jacob Chansley, who's also known as the QAnon shaman, you know who I'm talking about. Yes, the QAnon shaman. Yeah, so he went in there and he went um, into the um, building where the Congress meets, into the room where the Congress meets with a bullhorn, right, right. and. He shouted to the whole crowd that was there, let's all say a prayer in this sacred space. Wow. Yeah. And he went on to lead the group in prayer. Um, he thanked his, uh, the Heavenly Father for the ability to, to, quote, send a message to all the tyrants, the communists, and the globalists that this is our nation, not theirs, that we will not allow the America, the American way of the United States of America to go down. Thank you, divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God for filling this chamber with your white light and love and with your white light of harmony. Thank you for filling this chamber with patriots that love you, that love Jesus Christ. End quote. Um, 
so do you feel that the uh, the white light is a, uh, a a racial reference? That's a good question. <clears throat> I don't yeah. know. Um, I think <clears throat> it might be, but I would not presume that. Right. Yeah. But it's curious. It is interesting that he says white, but I think even more curious to me is that they he took the opportunity to call the Congress building a sacred space, yeah. and then to part of the um, riot, the insurrection, was to lead a prayer in the name of Jesus uh, from the uh, from, from in, in that space mm-hmm. that is civil, yeah. And so people are uh, saying that this is Christian nationalism. Now mm-hmm. I got to be, we got to be. I want to say right out from the beginning, Christian nationalism is a kind of insult. That word. Nobody uses it for themselves. I could not mm-hmm. in, in my research. I could not find a single person who would refer to themselves as a Christian nationalist. Okay. And so I want to say right from the outset, I know that that's true. However. I can't think of a better term, and I didn't run across a better term, and there is a very distinct movement here, and mm-hmm. they don't have another term for it. Um, critics have, and, and commentators have referred to it as Christian nationalism, and that's a descriptive term. Mm-hmm. It is Christian, and it is nationalist, and so it's a descriptive term, but if yeah. you ask anybody, are you a Christian nationalist? Everybody will say, no, I am not. And if, if there was a better term, I would use the better term, because I, I, yeah. I, I want to use the term that people would self-identify, but there isn't right. a term where these people self-identify. And so right. I, I recognize that. But Christian nationalism— well, Because in their mind, they, they, they're Christians. That's right. They're just Christians. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. In their mind, they're just saying that they're Christians, and that this is the way Christians ought to behave. And, that people and they who, probably use evangelical, right? Most of them do, but not all. Okay. Most of them yeah. do, but not all. Um, so Christian nationalism is a belief that America is defined as a Christian nation mm-hmm. and that the government's place is to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. They also believe that God has a special relationship with the United States. Okay. That, that the United States, that, that God has especially uh, blessed the United States in some way. Yeah. Now, I want to be really careful in saying that Christian nationalists um, are not necessarily white supremacists, although there is overlap. I want to be really, really careful that I don't want to talk about white supremacy um, today, although we should talk about that. We have talked about it a little bit, but that's mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap there, but uh, right. most— for today's but for today, we're not talking about race. We're not talking about race. Um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of— A lot of Christian nationalists will say that everyone is made in God's image equally. But what they would say is that the United States should give privilege to American Christians. And they would say that of all races. So black Mm -hmm. American Christians have privilege over uh, black Muslim Americans, for example, they would say. And so... Um, most of these folks tend to be white, but not all of them are. In fact, there are a good number, a, a, a large percentage of uh, bl- uh, people who would call themselves black evangelicals are also Christian nationalists. 
And so there's a lot of overlap between white supremacy and Christian nationalism, but it's not complete. The other group that this is not is um, dominionists or theonomists. Now, we did a, a podcast, our very first podcast ever was on Christian nationalism, and I mistook Christian nationalism for theonomy. And I have learned since then that that is not fair. Um, mm-hmm. Theonomists or Dominionists, there's a bunch of different groups there. They would say that we should, that the United States should enact laws in accord with the Bible to make the United States just like Israel of the Old Testament. Right. Christian nationalists do. <clears throat> Christian nationalists do not say that. Right. They say that that the United States should be a pluralistic society that is tolerant of Islam, um, Judaism, Hinduism. Atheists, but so those folks, those folks should be in the United States, but Christianity should be dominant and preeminent. Mm-hmm. Or another okay. way to say it is that Christian nationalism say that all the other religions are welcome to our country, but they're here as guests, mm-hmm. and they need to act like guests properly, mm-hmm. recognizing that this that they are guests, not full citizens. Not full citizens? Well, so hmm. I'm not sure that they would say okay. that we need a, like a second class or two different... They don't want to uh, revoke citizenship from Jewish people per se, but not not in an official way, I don't think. I haven't heard that. But like, you all recognize that they should not be in power. We don't listen to the to the Jews in leadership. Like we should never elect someone who's not a Christian to official authority they should not run our businesses, you know, those kinds of things. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so um, the the biggest authority on Christian nationalism sociologically, um, which is still a fairly new um, term, Christian nationalism, is a, a book by two sociologists, Whitehead and Perry, uh, called Taking America Back for God. And they've got a quiz that they did a massive survey. So I'm going to give you the quiz. Can I give you the quiz? I guess so. Okay, so there are six items on this quiz. Okay. Here it is. So uh, so then you say, agree or disagree with these mm. six statements. Oh, boy, I don't know if I, I'll be able to say agree or disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, they had, a, they had, a, very, they had like a scale of one to five or something. For our sake, we're not, you know, I'm not going to fit you into that. Whatever. But, okay, number one, the federal government should declare the United States a Christian nation. Agree or disagree? Um, I would disagree. Yeah. Okay. Number two, the federal government should advocate Christian values. Um, uh. I would agree, uh-huh. although I might need to explain that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I understand just what you mean. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Number three, the federal government should enforce strict separation of church and state. Um, again, I agree, but with a caveat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the next one, the federal government should allow the display of religious symbols in public spaces. Uh. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the success of the United States is part of God's plan. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know the mind of God. 
Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would like the United States to be successful in displaying the righteousness of the kingdom. Sure. Yeah. Um, that may or may not be his plan. Okay. Yeah. So it's hard to say with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, I would, I would, sounds like to me like you disagree with that just based on, I don't know. You wish it is, but you don't know. The federal, right. go- then finally, the federal government should allow prayer in public schools. Um, uh, does it, does it say that you can't pray in public schools? I mean, you can pray anytime you want, any place, right? Unless you're going to get on a mat or make a spectacle or pray out loud. Sure. I, I would um, imagine that this is like public prayer. Yeah. And so, um, I don't, we, we've talked about this before. Yeah, I don't yeah. like prayer in school because it's, uh, who's leading the prayer and what kind of, what kind of brand of Christianity or religion is being espoused in public spaces? So even like um, Christian symbols, okay, if, if, there's a, if there's a synagogue and they have a Star of David out in, on the public street, I have no problem with that. If I go to a school and, um, and one of the classrooms is entirely Jewish um, with no explanation or, you know, then, yeah, then I'm, yeah. no, I'm not a fan of that. Right, 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 right. I hear you. Yeah. Okay, so so I want freedoms. I want freedoms, but I don't want uh, mandates, religious mandates. And so, if we're going to separate church and state, then uh, let, let's do that. Right. Right. Kind of like right. The, yeah, they want to say they want separation of church and state, but they want it everything else Christianized. Okay, so actually, Christian nationalists do not want separation of church and state. Oh. No, that's that's one of the key things. Actually, they do not want a separation between church and state. They want the state to give preferential treatment to the church, to Christian to Christian symbols. They want prayer in school only Christian prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they they don't. Uh, anyway, okay. So based on those and people's yeah. willingness to agree or disagree with those statements. They uh, put people into four categories, people who, um, uh, this, this is nationwide, and they said, so people who totally reject Christian nationalism, people who resist Christian nationalism but have some, you know, maybe some space for it. They have people who, uh, moving up the ladder, accommodate Christian nationalism and are favorable toward it, and then those who are very fervent uh, like evangelists okay. for Christian nationalism. Okay. okay. And of those four categories, 78% of evangelicals are in the top two. Uh, really? Yeah. Fervent um, Christian nationalists or people who accommodate Christian nationalism. Okay. Yeah. And it's, and it's about half the country is in the top two categories. Okay. We're about evenly split as to whether we're Christian nationalists or not. Although there's very few people on the extremes. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think this is going to need a lot of nuancing. Okay, so let's nuance it. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so I've said before, America is not a Christian nation. That's right. But we, we can't say that it's not a Christian nation. Um. What I mean by that is it has all of this history and some assumptions, right? Yeah. And then you then the the, the next question. I think you and I have some some different um, perspectives we might, yeah. here. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
is that I don't believe there's any such thing as a neutral secularism uh-huh. um, or just a, like a pluralism. I don't think that really – I think that's a misnomer. Um, and so I think that there's always a morality being espoused in legislation. Oh, I agree with and, you 100%. Yeah, so every every nation to a degree needs to uh, decide what the, their – is it going to be Judeo-Christian ethic? Is it going to be some other Sharia law ethic? What kind of ethic will they legislate? Right. Where do our values come from? Right. Yeah. And I don't think um, – so even if you have just a, a, a populist country, um, then then the majority gets to decide that. Right. And okay. the majority is 49 – uh, to fifty-one percent, or it's fifty-fifty. Then, the, then your your country's laws and moralities are always shifting as you vote in a, the next government. I find that disruptive. Um, sure. Anyway, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right, that's exactly right. And so um, that has been kind of the way it's been. But what's happening is that there are fewer and fewer Christians around, and mm-hmm. so. There are we have been, I think, for the most part, a, a real or we've tried to be a, f- a fairly decent democracy where our laws and values represent our, the people that are in our country. The problem mm-hmm. is that we've got fewer and fewer Christians. So those Christians that used to their their views and values were reflected in public policy, that's becoming less and less the case. Right. And so I think that's where. Christian nationalists are starting to be really, really upset. Of course. I mean, and, and I would be upset um, alongside of them to the degree that if our laws begin to reflect um, a, an, an, a lack of morality, a lack of value, uh, something that, that is not reflecting the righteousness of the kingdom of Christ. Not that, they, that America ever did a great job of that. I'm not saying that. But. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but but I want every nation to to move towards the righteousness of the of the kingdom, um, and not away from it. Yes, and part of the question then is how do we do that? Do we do it by force, or do we do it uh, in other ways? Right, right. It's I don't think that it is um, a political movement per se, but it's not, it's not devoid of politics. And sometimes I think it, that's where we have this, uh, why we need the nuancing, right? Yeah. Uh, we're definitely not Christian nationalists, but we don't want to, we do have the opportunity to vote and to lobby and to say, this is oh, what yes. we think society ought to do and uh, you know how it ought to function. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me um, help to def- fill out what Christian nationalism actually looks like. Yeah. Um, okay. So here are some, some ways that you, that, uh, a Christian nationalist. Here, here's the. How can I say? Uh, you might be a Christian nationalist if. Okay, think about um, if a mosque wants to buy some property in your town, and they want to build a building for the worship of Allah. They but they need to. They 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 want to buy some property, but they need to change the zoning, and so they appeal to the zoning board to build this house of worship. Now, if you're on the board, does their religion make any difference to you as to whether you're going to grant the allowance for the, the, to change the zoning? If so, so if, if you say, oh, yeah. because you're M- Muslim and not Christian, then no, you cannot build a building. 
that's Christian nationalism. Yeah, I think I think this is a great example because um, at at knee jerk reaction is to say, of course not. Um, of course we, you know, they they have the right. Then as you but as you think deeper, you as a Christian you start to wonder, right? Okay. Um, uh, now obviously, what you said is like uh, concerning power. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that so that you know initially you just say, uh, of course they can, of course they can, and it probably will have to be that way. But the nagging thing in the back of your head is, are they? What are they doing? Are they? Are are they fanatical? Are they recruiting terrorists? Are they um, kind of a peace loving um, society? Do they mistreat their women? Do they do they allow the girls to be educated? You know, you start asking all these questions about morality. And um, then you have to – I think it gets uh, complicated, and that's why we still have these groups around. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I understand what you're saying, and yet I'm not sure that I want the government deciding which religions are legitimate and which ones are not. Right. Let me give you another example. Um, do you want to fly the Christian flag in your church worship service? Or maybe do you want to sing national hymns during the Christian worship service? For example, the Battle Hymn of the Republic or the National Anthem or God Bless America. Do those fit in a Christian worship service? If so, you're probably a Christian nationalist. Yeah, it's absolutely not. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. The kingdom, yeah, when we gather and as a congregation, we are to reflect the kingdom, not America. I agree. And. I would want people from every nation, tribe, and tongue there if I could have them, because that better reflects the kingdom. And to and feel the kingdom, comfortable there, yeah. Yeah, and the, the kingdom is uh, what we want a foretaste of. I don't, I don't want Americana. Um, I, I, I'm American. I'm a, I'm a patriot, I guess. You sure, know? sure, I'm sure. Patriotic, and I love America and all of that. Um, but I don't want America coming into... Um, and to the kingdom in that way. Okay. How about this? Yeah. Um, if you think that America is God's chosen nation, or if you or your pastor swaps out Israel in the Bible and pretends that it says America in the Old Testament, that Absolutely is Christian not. nationalism. Yeah. If you think, yeah. if you think, and I've heard that lots and lots and lots, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. And seek my face. As I, my face yeah. I'll, I'll hear from heaven and I'll hear the heal their land. Right. And they think, yeah, is that talking think about nationally that way? Is that talking mm-hmm. about America? It is not. Okay. Right. What about this? Um, there are people who think that the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution are divinely inspired. I've heard, I've seen that uh, reported, and I've and I've heard people say that. That is wow, Christian that's, nationalism. That's yeah, that's troubling. I've also heard people say that the Second Amendment is a God-given right. Wow. And that is Christian nationalism. It is not God-given. I'm not saying that it's a bad right. I'm saying it's not God-given. Yeah. Because God didn't give yeah, us so the, the Second Amendment. Wait, so it sounds like, and, and this is what I thought for some time, is that the old um, idea of, of manifest destiny, that God was giving yes. us this yes, yes, nation yes. That's right. to become That's right. like a, a, a new theocracy of Correct. sorts. Correct, um, correct. Yeah, that... That is uh, very troubling, not only because of the permission it granted to to starve and kill Native Americans and yep, yep. Um, shoot all the buffalo and seize property and right, right, 
renege on treaties yeah um just all the all the the horrible stuff that's happened in our history yeah um but that the the thought that god would um purpose a nation to be like israel yeah after the advent of the christ yeah um the the nation of israel existed to birth the christ that's right and even today with our dispensational brothers and sisters and some of our zionist um folks they still think that israel has some great agenda that there's still something wonderful for the nation of israel yeah. left to give to the world all right and they're missing that that the greatest thing yeah. and the purpose of israel was to birth Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're exactly and right. And all the pictures and images, all the rites and rituals of the Old Testament, all the offices, all the typologies, they're all pointing to Jesus, and he is the satisfaction and fulfillment of all of those things. And so here, from there on out, we have a new government in his name that is not national. It's global. Yeah, yeah. It's not It's not about um, borders yeah, and— yeah. Uh, yeah, militaries. It's it's about the the church global. It's about people coming to faith in Christ and becoming uh, His people. Yeah. So what and you're so saying, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. And what you're yeah. saying is very much against Christian nationalism. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. So we want we want the church to be the manifestation of uh, the gathering of the citizens of the kingdom. Yes. That's right. right. And that that is that is a higher it transcends any ethnicity any language any border any national allegiance yeah yeah so i have more in common we've said this before i have more in common with a christian across the world than i do with a non-christian here in america correct yes that's exactly right one of the things that christian nationalists have to do is that they have to rewrite history in order to make it sound like we are a completely Christian nation and always have been. Mm. Now, certainly Christianity has had a massive influence on the United States. There's no question about that. I don't think anyone ever said say anything different. However, the idea that all of our founding fathers and that the whole concept of Christianity was based on—concept of the uh, United States was based on Christianity is just not true. Right. People tend to think that the pilgrims came to the New World seeking religious liberty. Have you heard that before? Um, I have. I don't think that that's entirely true, but I don't think it's entirely false. Well, it depends on what—I suppose it depends on how you define religious liberty. But the, the pilgrims left England, and they first went to Holland. And when they got to Holland, they had a ton of religious freedom— but what started happening is that they didn't like the tolerance, that uh, the, the toleration of other faiths. And so they left Holland and they came to the New World, um, it, you know, the Massachusetts Bay Colony and, and all like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they were trying to do was to start a theocracy. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't, and they had absolutely no tolerance for any other um, religious beliefs. In fact, famously, um, the folks in Massachusetts kicked out Roger Williams for being friendly with the Native Americans. Um, right, the, the Massachusetts Bay Colony said, it is our right to take the land of the Native Americans. And Roger Williams said, no, they have a right to their own land. And they kicked him out. 
he mm-hmm. went and started Rhode Island. Now he was he didn't deny, he was a uh, uh, a Christian through and through. He didn't deny any tenets of the faith, but they could not tolerate someone who disagreed with them in even the slightest way, and they kicked him out. That is not religious liberty. That is not liberty. They wanted a mm-hmm. very tight um, theocracy. And so it, uh, reflecting back on that, 150, 100 to 150 years later or so, our founding fathers said, we don't want to do it the way the pilgrims. We want religious liberty. Mm-hmm. And our founding fathers, some of them were Christians and some of them were not. In fact, yeah. a lot of them were deists. Um, Thomas Jefferson famously um, uh, cut up his New Testament. Yeah, so he took, he took some scissors to his Bible. He literally took scissors to his Bible and cut out all the miracles and all of the spiritualized language. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was the one who said that, the, that, that uh, discovering the Bible... Discovering the goodness of the Bible is like discovering diamonds in a dung heap. And mm-hmm. so he, and, and uh, I think it's at a Smithsonian, you can go and see, they used to have his Bible on display, the one that he actually literally cut up. And he would mm-hmm. use the language of, he would talk about providence, he would talk about nature's God, but he never talked about the God of the Bible, he never talked about Jesus or redemption or salvation or anything like that. Yeah. Thomas Paine um, famously said Christianity is a fable. And it's a fable that's really helpful, and it's inspiring, but there's nothing about it that's true. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, he denied, quote, that the Almighty ever did communicate anything to man by speech, language, or vision, end quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so these, these are some of our founding fathers. There are some others who, are, who were um, what uh, historians have called Christian deists, and those, these are often universalists. So like George Washington, um, that believes sort of in a Christian God, uh, but that they, they consider themselves Christians, but God has not known what we are doing on earth for a couple thousand years. Mm-hmm. So George Washington, his pastors in Philadelphia said that he was very significantly affected by deism and that they doubted his salvation. He did talk a lot about God. But he never mentioned Jesus or redemption or salvation in any of his writings. Uh-huh. Many years after he died, some of the Revolutionary War veterans uh, who were still alive and were elderly at that point remember him as a devout Christian in their writings. And so a lot of times Christian nationalists will refer to that. But if you go back and look at the writings of Washington himself or anyone who knew him personally— they all recognize he, he was, at best, a, a Christian deist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there were Christians among the founding fathers, like Patrick Henry and sure. uh, John Jay. He was the president of the American Bible Society. I'm um, sure there are lots of them. Lots but, of Christians. Yeah. But some of the most important ones uh, were not. Uh, John Adams, James Monroe, Ethan Allen. You know, these folks were not Christians. And, and so they uh, formed a constitution that acknowledges the existence of a higher power, uh, that there is a divine being, uh, you know, God they refer to, but there's nothing more specific than that. So to call our founding documents Christian is just not to recognize what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Christian nationalists have to say 
that all of that refers that, that all those documents are Christian documents, but it, I, I just don't think that's the case. Now, most of the people, um, there were several revival movements, and a lot of the uh, people in the United States were Protestant of some sort, and so a lot of the folks, um, uh, so Christianity highly, highly affected our culture, but not so much the founding documents. And this, uh, uh, let's see, early on in our nation's history, the, the power dynamic was really tested when we had lots of immigration of Irish uh, immigrants, Italian immigrants, and others who were Roman Catholic. And Roman right. Catholics were seen really as second class. And in fact, those folks were not even considered white. Um, even though, like, you look at the color of their skin, like, how, you know, we look at that now, right. and think, how is an Irish person or an Italian person not white? But at the time, they were not. And it was a way for them to say that they're not really American. They're not really Christian because they're Roman Catholic. They were second-class citizens. Um, and that's, there's still some effect to that we see today. Joe Biden, who's our president now, is only the second Roman Catholic president. All the others affirm some sort of Protestantism, even though there's been a good number of them who, uh, you know, never attend church or deny all kinds of things about Christianity, but then they say they're Christian. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. If, um, and I'm not, this is not an oh, gotcha question. This is... Sure, um, sure, sure. Yeah, so if um, if the founding fathers are largely deists... Yeah. Um, ...and not Christians, then why is there a, um, a frowning upon Catholics later on when the immigrants come over? That's a great question. It's because so many of... Uh, so the national government, the federal government, was uh, didn't have any... That's, this is the First Amendment and other places in the, in the Constitution as well, didn't have any privilege for any religion. However, that was not true among the states, especially early on. There were, there were states where you had to be an a, a active member of your church and get a letter of endorsement from your pastor in order to run for office. That was in the states. Now, eventually, the states uh, adopted basically the same uh, situation as the, uh, as the federal government. But even so, because there were so many Protestants, uh, pastors for, for, um, sent for uh, many, many decades, up until actually fairly recently, Christian pastors uh, held a lot of moral influence in the community and even among the laws. That's not so much true anymore. And so that's why, I mean, people were basically Protestant and then suspect of the, the Roman Catholics. Yeah. So I guess what I'm, uh, what I'm getting at is okay. if, that, if that vein has continued yeah. from our earliest colonies yeah. through the Founding Fathers, through the immigrant movements, and even today, there, uh, I can see why some folks have a claim that this is a, quote, Christian country. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, that they believe that was its primary focus and intent was to be uh, to have a Christianized ethic in its government and legislation. And uh, you want to be a Muslim here, we'll tolerate you, but this is our laws are Christian. Right. So there was a bit of a mismatch, actually, between what the laws actually said, namely the Constitution and other laws as well, 
what the laws actually said, that was, there's a mismatch between that and the way we actually lived. And well, sh- certainly clear with, with uh, slavery, right? Correct. Obviously. Correct. Yeah, very obvious. All men are created equal and endowed by their creator. Uh, you know, all Unless men are black. Seriously? Yeah, right. yeah not black men. Yeah. Okay, so in the, in, the, in, in the same mismatch, you have, uh, uh, we're not going to privilege any religion, but then in reality, we actually did privilege Christianity. And so and as Protestant we... Protestant Christianity. It, yeah. Specifically Protestant Christianity, that's right. But the founding documents were not that way. There's a mismatch. And so as the United States becomes more pluralistic, and as we allow more and more non-Christians into citizenship, Christians and Christian leaders are losing cultural power. And that loss of power is disconcerting. And this is where Christian nationalists are saying, we've got to go back to what it was before. The problem is that when we go back and say, where is the arbiter of of how we're going to run our country. That is our laws. We're a nation of laws. And our laws yeah. do not privilege Christianity. Right. Um, and is it wrong for them to say that they ought to? That's a good question. Well, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's, that is the question. Yeah. Um, because well, that's where it, it starts to get confusing and sticky for me. Um, who uh, I am not a Christian nationalist. Wouldn't uh, well, you said no one would identify as that, right? Correct. I mean, obviously, yeah. from the quiz and from uh, various things you said, I would say absolutely not. Um, I don't believe in a manifest destiny of uh, a Christian nation. Yeah. Um, although, uh, if you remember being at uh, New City, I don't know if you were there um, when when Barry Henning said, "Could that be possible?" And he said, "To the degree that the nation." reflects the kingdom of God, um, yeah, that could be possible. What what could be possible? Um, some sort of uh, manifest destiny or some sort of um, uh, that, that America could become a great blessing to the world or a great Christian nation. Oh. Um, yeah. I would you never, ca- I don't think I would ever call it manifest destiny. Um, no, of course not. But I think that yeah, to the degree that any nation is uh, faithful to the values of the kingdom of God laid out in the Sermon on the Mount and other places and Jesus' teaching and Paul's teaching, uh, of course it's going to be a blessing to the nation. But the, right. the question is, do we, do we uh, put those values into our laws and force them on others, and particularly when it comes to religion? Uh, you know, right. do we force people to worship in a certain way, or do we privilege people right. who worship in a certain way? I don't think that we do that. I don't think that's... I don't think so either. Okay, so I, that's I, where I we disagree. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you and I together disagree with Christian yeah. nationalism. Yeah, absolutely. How, but you would agree with me that we our laws are a reflection of morality. Correct. And we do need to choose an ethic and a morality to reflect in our legislation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and so we need to vote on on to get people in office that will help to push the values that we see. Right. But my the va- but I don't want to. Uh, I don't want church and state conflated. Correct. Right. Very very different. Okay. So, yeah. um, over the years, as we have had various immigration movements, 
uh, and there have been um, different waves of what we can now identify as Christian nationalism. There was one um, around the time, just before the Civil War. There was one in the 1950s. There was, there's been several. And in those moments, we've had a couple different um, uh, uh, slogans or mottos that we have adopted as a nation. So, for example, in God we trust, so help me God, one nation under God, these right. are these. None of these come from the founding of our country. They all come from times when Christian nationalism has surged. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, during times of crisis, the the Civil War, Watergate, World War II, you know those those kinds of places. There's a lot of uh, folk art and folk stories that kind of enshrine Christian nationalism uh, in a way that it, it shouldn't be. So, for example. Uh, George Washington, you, you, you've seen the painting of George Washington praying at Valley Forge? Yes. Never yes. happened. Mm-hmm. It's a famous painting. In fact, right. it's a stained glass window at the Capitol. But it never mm. happened. And right. there's a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. Um, so anyway, right. th- that helped to make people think, hey, this is the founding of our nation. And it's it's really not. Right. Okay, so... the. What's the difference between patriotism and Christian nationalism? Who was it? I think it was uh, Michael Horton had it best. He said, uh, patriotism says this, America is special to me. Christian nationalism says, America is special to God. Right. And the difference is massive. And Mm -hmm. I want to be a patriot. I am a patriot. And... Part of patriotism is criticizing the United States when it is uh, gone wrong, and right. also saying this is my home and I will defend it. Right. Yeah, yeah. The um, uh, the confusion with Trump, I think, has really brought this to a head. Right. I mean, um, when I now I was a I was a convert. Right. I didn't I didn't grow up in church. Yeah. I grew up in uh, in in a t- typical. Virginia suburb, lower middle class uh-huh. public school environment. Um, but uh, that means that I knew of church. I had attended church. Uh, I there was talk of of Christmas and Christianized uh, pagan holidays, Easter, um, you mm-hmm. know, etc. Yeah, All Saints Day, uh, Halloween. Uh, so I, I had the the typical quote American upbringing, right? Yeah. Um, when I went to college and I had become a convert, I met a bunch of other people who were just like me, who who, um, who believed in the the Bible, and we would have called ourselves evangelicals at the time, yeah, because we believed the Scripture was real and that the the message was true and Jesus was true and He was coming back, and we would have believed in the five fundamentals, even yeah. though we were not fundamentalists. Sure, sure, sure. Right, and all of those folks, I mean, the vast majority of none of them understood Trump voted for Trump, liked Trump, um, and were confused by this whole big movement and the whole Capitol Hill thing. Right. Um, we look at that and scratch our heads, and we we in no way felt like Trump was a Christian candidate or reflected even Christian morality. Sure. Um, to, I mean, to some degrees, like every every candidate has some degree that you, you know, there are certain issues that you say, oh, I like, this seems to reflect uh, what I think is is the kingdom and this yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so that's where this, I had this kind of epiphany, um, particularly at Capitol Hill a year ago 
where you say, what is happening? Where are these people? Yeah. Um, why yeah. is this guy wearing a Viking helmet? What, right. you know, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. Um, why are people so in love with this man? And, um, yeah, that, that, so it's, it was all very curious. And most, like I said, most of the Christians in my life um, do not support nor voted for him. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, and now we we can't refer to ourselves as evangelicals because of people lumping the two together. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and yet, and yet, we want. Christian values expressed in our laws, and we want the Bible to to be manifest in the world. Um, well, some Christian values I want expressed in our laws, and others I don't. Explain. Well, so one of the Christian values is to go to church on Sundays, and to worship, you know, don't forsake the um, assembling of yourselves, uh, you know, but... I don't want that enshrined right. in, in a law. Of course not. But that's yeah, definitely yeah. a Christian value. Yes, yes. Um, tell However, it, you, t- Telling you, the truth is a Christian value. I don't want it to be illegal to lie to someone. I don't, well, want, I don't, want, my, I don't want police, uh, you know, uh, arresting people because you lied to your friend about something. Right. But in the public square, you want honesty and truthfulness. I mean, the testifying in court, you want people to tell the truth. Okay, that so there's some... So, legal, testif- so right? yes, but just because something is a Christian value doesn't mean it needs to be enshrined in the civil law or civil or criminal law. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you think that, uh, that companies ought to tell the truth when they're advertising yes. their services? yes. Yeah. Okay. So, we we do want honesty in oh, our law. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that that honesty is never something. I'm I'm just saying that just because something is a value to Christians or that it is a Christian value, right. doesn't necessarily mean that we need to make a law about it. But right, I'm but with I, you. I mean, our civil values, right? Okay, civil I values. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so some of that is easy to decipher, and some of that's a little bit more right. difficult. That's right. That's right. Dave, have you ever read C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves? No. He goes over four different Greek words for love, and one of those words is storge, which means aff- basically affection. And in that section, he talks about patriotism, and he talks about proper affection. Now, this he's writing this like right after World War II, and so he's thinking about patriotism and love of country where it's where it can be good and then where it can go bad because he's you know looking at the Nazis and even in his own country uh you know people who are becoming idolatrous in thinking yeah we're uh England and we just whipped up on the world everywhere um Mm -hmm. and so anyway he says uh he goes through several stages he says the first stage is where he really wants us to be I think he's he's brilliant this way and he talks about patriotism sort of as a love of home, um, where in your home, you don't want to be ruled there. You don't want to be dominated. You don't want anyone coming in and telling you what to do. And that's, that's good patriotism. I love my home because it's my home, and it's mine, and I am in charge here. And, so that's, and that's patriotism, and he, he thinks that's really good. But then he says, 
you can get in. Uh, there's a couple stages that moves further and further away from the goodness of that kind of love. So the first, he says, is idealizing the past, where he says, as I look back on my country, everything is good and nothing is bad. Uh, and he's, For example, he says, like, uh, I love my country because my country is great, because of our heroes, because of whatever. And then you forget that every country has, every nation, every culture has good things and bad things. Right. Um, he said, now, once you pass that, then because of that, then you start to think, my country is better than all the other countries. Right. And you whitewash your history, that's his word, and you can't see the bad parts of your history or your culture. So he gives this uh, quote. Let me read this to you. He says, I once ventured to say to an old clergyman who was voicing this sort of patriotism, and I said, but sir, aren't we told that every people thinks its own men the bravest and its own women the fairest in the world? He replied with total gravity. He could not have been graver if he had been saying the creed at the altar. He said, yes, but in England, it's true. To be sure, this conviction uh, had not made my friend, God rest his soul, a villain, only an extremely lovable old ass. It can, however, produce asses that kick and bite. Mm. On the lunatic fringe, it may shade off into that popular racialism which Christianity and science equally forbid. Mm. I think it's really well said. Yeah. Then he goes on and he says one more stage is uh, of, of this, the badness of uh, over-love of your nation, is he says, you get the, the thought that since I am a true, quote-unquote, countryman, then I am better than my other countrymen. Right. And so then he says, and people like me, then are superior to people who are not like me. And let me read you right. a quote from them, from him on this in this section. He says, If our nation is really so much better than others, it may be held to have either the duties or the rights of a superior being towards them. In the 19th century, the English became very conscious of such duties, the white man's burden. What we called natives were our wards, and we their self-appointed guardians. Our habit of talking as if England's motives for acquiring an empire had been mainly altruistic nauseated the world. And yet this showed the sense of superiority working at its best. To them, some foreigners were so bad that one had the right to exterminate them. Right. Others fitted only to be hewers of wood and drawers of water to the chosen people. And they had better be made to get on with their hewing and drawing. Mm. And so he says, uh, these are the stages of uh, idolatrous love of our nation. And we got to be really careful when we start moving in that direction. Um, I love our country. Um, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I've traveled to lots of different places in the world, and I know you uh -huh. have too. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Um, I love our country, but uh, 
that that love can be uh, out of out of its natural place, out of the place where God would want it to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the definition of idolatry. Correct. Yeah. And all of us are um, prone to different kinds of idolatries. And I don't want us to fall into this one. Hey, this is Dave with the Hopper Podcast. If you can't find a politician or media outlet that represents your views, you're not alone. You've got a home right here. We've broken free from the cultural and political narratives that dominate the landscape. There are more of us than you might realize. So help us grow the Hopper Podcast. Find your favorite episode and click the share button and put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or somewhere else. Thanks. Did you ever see YouTube videos of like um, moose that are getting into spoiled apples and that kind of thing and they're getting drunk? Yeah, I think I've seen stuff like that. If you ha- For the listeners, if you haven't, you should go look that stuff up. Different animals are able to handle alcohol, uh, some better than others. Elephants, for example, are are lightweights. They can barely drink any alcohol before they get intoxicated. Mm. Humans actually rank pretty high. But um, do you know what animal can handle the most alcohol? That would most certainly have to be an animal with a large liver. Okay. Take a guess. That would be my guess. Uh, so it could be, well, what would have a large liver? Like a, a cow? Um, probably It's probably some small animal that has a large liver or something. You are right. It is the hamster. The hamster. The hamster. Um, <laughs> okay. So hamsters handle alcohol really, really well for their body weight. Okay, uh, yeah. So there, psychologists at the University of Alaska in Anchorage has, have studied um, alcohol consumption in hamsters a lot, and they just put out an article in The Atlantic. But this is something that's been researched for a long, long time. But one of the, one of the uh, professors, uh, researchers said, you just put a bottle of unsweetened Everclear on the cage, and they love it. Uh, uh. They'll down uh, 18 grams per kilogram of body weight a day. Okay, that's the equivalent of an average adult human drinking a liter and a half of 190-proof Everclear. Wow. Yeah, and the reason is because in the wild, hamsters hoard ryegrass seeds and fruit in their burrows. Mm-hmm. And, they and, ferment. And it ferments, exactly. Yeah. It becomes okay. more and more alcoholic over the winter, and mm-hmm. so then that's what they go for. So they need a nice big liver to take care of that. Um, and they do. They've got a massive liver that uh, works really, really well. If In the lab, given the choice between water and alcohol, they always go for the alcohol. If you go and yeah. get a hamster at a pet store right now, you can bring it home and give it grain alcohol, and it's going to drink it up happily. Are hamsters Scottish? I don't know. <laughs> Are they German? <laughs> I don't know where they live. Yeah, that in, in the kidding. wild. I don't know. That's a yeah, joke. yeah. <laughs> I know it is. I know it is. Yeah. Well, so the um, the researchers are are uh, like to use hamsters, be, or they thought to use hamsters just recently, and that's part of what this article in the Atlantic is about, because they're trying to research. Um, they're trying to get them addicted to alcohol, and then okay, so how do we get them not addicted to alcohol as a way to help with research about uh, humans who are addicted to alcohol and get them off. See, I assume that they were researching this because they wanted to drink more alcohol. 
with less negative effect. Well, maybe. The problem was that they were they had to give so much alcohol to the hamsters. They were give at that amount of alcohol that I just suggested, they had mm-hmm. there was no sense of intoxication. They when they wow. walk like they can, you know, different animals will wobble mm-hmm. and fall over. You can look it up on YouTube. It's fantastic. But yeah. they hamsters don't do that. No, almost no matter how much you give them. Yeah. Um the only thing that they prefer more than just straight alcohol to drink is chocolate milkshakes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um let's see. Why not? There was one in their study that was uh, that that pushed the lever to get uh, alcohol more than any other, and they named him Bacardi. And Bacardi. he would do he would do apparently anything uh, to to get the alcohol. It's the equivalent of it's the same thing as it's the equivalent of an adult male consuming about twenty one bottles of wine a day. And so they must they must be feeling something. If they're very interested in it, yeah. Uh, so and what researchers even addicted to it? Yeah, they they don't seem to be addicted, because if then if you take them off of it, uh, after a long time of drinking it, of drinking almost exclusively alcohol, they have no side effects of taking them off uh-huh. of it. Um, what scientists seem to think, uh, their their working theory is that it's the calories that they are after the calories. Okay. Um, and so it's sort of like drink, sort of like uh, people going after cheeseburgers and pizza. Sure. But apparently they've got humongous and efficient livers so that yeah. even when they're drinking like straight grain alcohol, when they test their blood, there's no alcohol in the blood. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the rate at which they can absorb it is easily met by their liver. Yeah. For, yeah, for their, their proportions. Um. So maybe they they don't feel any buzz at all, and so uh, yeah. Apparently they don't, but they sure. But they can, do like to eat. They do like to eat, and they can drink an enormous amount. That um, mm-hmm. one person uh, commenting on this said that uh, when humans drink to get drunk, maybe we should call it getting utterly hamstered. <laughs> uh, I think that's fantastic. Well. Do you, have you ever had a hamster? No. We used to have, um, uh, not hamsters, uh, gerbils. We had gerbils. Okay. Did um, you ever have a hamster? Uh, my sister had guinea pigs. And yeah, guinea pigs, she, yep. Uh-huh. She had a, um, a gerbil, I think, once. And then my kids have had hamsters. But I never tried to get them drunk. Uh, I, yeah. I've never given alcohol to any animals. Although when I grew up, someone in my neighborhood would regularly give their dog beer when they were drinking beer. Okay. And yeah. the dog would get drunk. Yeah. And stagger around the yard and and very much seemed to enjoy drinking the beer. Oh, okay. Uh, every time it was every time it was put in the bowl, uh, the dog came over and lapped it up. Okay. And uh, yeah, so there are people that do that. Um, <laughs> they get their animals drunk. Yeah, um, I've never hmm. done that myself. No, nor I. You can go on YouTube and find fun videos about it, though. Yeah, are there any monkey videos? Oh, yeah, plenty. Yeah, so they like to get drunk? There was one that I watched recently after I read this article um, where it was a um, 
like a, a nature preserve, and there were a whole bunch of animals that got into some apples that had fermented, a huge yeah. grove of apples. And there were tons and tons of animals. These ostriches were falling over, and, and uh, you know, deer-like animals were uh, falling over. This was in Africa. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, monkeys, and I forget all the different animals. But they, they all got into it, and they were all, uh, you know, and then you wake up with a hangover and... It was it was it was pretty fun. Warthogs and I forget all the animals. They were all hey, drunk, all of them. Party party on the savanna. Party on the savanna. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. Write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time where we'll discuss peeing in the shower. I do that every day. Gosh, I'm sure you know someone who needs to listen to that show. Be a pal, tell them about the Hopper goodness, send them a link, and if they still don't listen, put an old pumpkin in the trunk of their car. Yuck. Be sure to subscribe or follow. Special thanks this week go to our director of hospitality, Doris Shutt.